to do the show. I mean, shoot the dough with Aaron and Danae. Stream me on Mixler every Tuesday at noon, Central, or available to download later on your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Time for the show to begin, so let's listen in. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, here's Aaron and Danae. We're going to hear that voice a little bit later in the show, too. Yeah, Meg's going to be joining us as a special guest today. Uh, Thank you so much for hanging out with us on the podcast today. It's going to be exciting. We're going to talk about millennials, do a little no-label safe, and kind of the the judgments that go on with you know being in a generation, those kind of things. Uh, so we're excited to get to that. But first, I wanted to I wanted to love on our moms a little bit. A little story time on you. I uh, my mom did the most amazing thing for my birthday. It's my birthday, by the way, in like two days. So I'm going to be having my birthday. Do you want to share how old you're going to be? Absolutely, sure. Forty one. I'll be forty one in two days. Do you want to share your most favorite number in the whole wide world? My f- most favorite number in the whole wide world is forty one. So it's a super special birthday. It is. This is going to be amazing. I'm thinking about doing like a Snapchat series, like just call it forty first year, and then like all like all my goals and different things, and like I'll you know Snapchat like you know what's going on in my forty first year because I love the number forty one. Do it. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. I'm going to lose like. 41 pounds, I'm going to do like, you know. And then eat 41 cookies. Yeah, and then eat 41 cookies after losing 41 pounds. That's good, that's You good. know, all that stuff. So or eat the cookies I'm gonna first, try to then get up lose to the like, pounds. I'm going to try to get up to like 41 YouTube subscribers. Oh, that's a good goal. <laughs> I'm actually close goal. to 1,000. I'm within 100 of ha- uh, having 1,000 YouTube subscribers, so that'd be cool. fun. Cool. I think I posted on YouTube once. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that when we talk about the millennial stuff. <laughs> uh, I got to say, though, uh, my mom has been working on this gift for me for a long time, and I finally got it. She made me four separate quilts from all my T-shirts I used to wear when I was growing up, and actually through like college and even some of my work life as well. They're so, really cool. So too. it's like they all mean something to me. Like they're from like you know missions trips and like jobs I had. And Radio stations. Yeah, like when I was a kid, one of them's like my preschool picture from when I was like a kid that was on a sports t-shirt that I wore. Stuff. Yeah. So the number forty-one is on there because that was my number in sports and and that kind of stuff. So it's this incredible thing, and it looks beautiful. They look gorgeous. <laughs> And what's really cool about them is there are four of them. So I've got one for each of my boys. So like when they kind of go off into the world, I can kind of like pass that uh, on to them as like a memory of me. And Are you going to hope they take a super good care of them? That's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much you, faith I have in that. But, right. You know, as long if it means something maybe to them. Maybe wait until they're 41 <laughs> and then you give them to them on their 41st birthday. Oh, can we do the math on that real quick? On how sure. long I have to live to see my youngest be 41. Yeah. Because he's, uh, how old is my youngest now? So I've got Your youngest seven, is, is he 17, 11? 14, is 11, and 8. No, no, no. What do I have? I have, <laughs> how old are my kids? Your I have oldest 17. is six. Oh, they're two, they're two years apart. 17, yeah. 15, 13, and 11. Yeah. So my youngest is 11. So that's uh-huh. 30 more years. Okay. So I'd have to live to be 71. You, you I can, got I can this. do that. I you think can I can do, do that. that. I'm hoping I can do that. Just don't eat those 41 cookies <laughs> and lose those 41 pounds. Maybe like work out for 41 days in a row. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Something like that. That's what, really sweet. What about your mom? My mother has been sending me pretty incredible text messages. I borrowed my parents' truck to mm-hmm. uh, go and get some get a piece of furniture over the weekend because yeah. I got the love seat for my St. Bernard Yes, and set it all up. So yes. my dog now has an amazing St. Bernard. Shopaholicking. On yes. your offer up app. And when I was in the truck, I left my my travel mug in the truck with me. And my mother sends me a text message at like nine o'clock at night. I was already in bed and it has a picture of the mug and says, I have your mug. 
if you want to see it again, bring three rolls of toilet paper and your guitar to my house <laughs> in, in the next five hours. So you know I love that. I love that because it's taking something most people would just like, oh, you left your mug. When do you want to pick it up? Right. right? That's what most people would text you. Not I my love mom. It. No, no, no. I love it when somebody makes something fun just because. Well, at 7.50 the next morning, I still hadn't responded. So mm-hmm. she writes, I have told your mug of your cold-hearted lack of response to my request. <laughs> my mug has stated emphatically that it would like to remain with me at this time. If you wish mug to return, new negotiations will be opened. <laughs> that is all. Period. Okay, I, I still didn't send anything to her. That's so great. 12.30, she sends me a picture of it nestled up to another mug. Mug hanging out with its new friend while I work. Nice. Still didn't respond to her. At 8.02 p.m. that night, I still had not messaged my mom, so she said- Well, no, of course not. I want to see what's happening next. I know, I know. Next picture is of it, it says, enjoying some downtime in the jacuzzi, and it's taking a, like a bath in the bath water. (laughs) In like dish soap. In dish soap with its new mug friend. Then she sends one with a dog, Moxie and Mug, waiting for a treat. Then last night, 927, all tucked in for the night, (laughs) and she's got the mug underneath the covers. And then this morning, she sends it having a healthy breakfast. It's filled with, um, what are these called? Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops, yeah. And then at uh, 20 minutes later, and now taking a quick shower, which is my favorite one so far, it's the mug in the sink with the water pouring over the top of it and suds kind of filling it, and she's wrapped it in a dish towel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to make sure that it's being appropriate since it's bathing. <laughs> I never want this mug back. I just no, no, want no, no, her no. to keep doing this for Well, you're as not long getting as... it back. You do understand, like, your mug now has Stockholm Syndrome, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is totally attached <laughs> yeah. to its captors now. <laughs> like, your mug does not want to come home. Oh, we I can love our moms. You. Uh, you ready to shoe the dough? Yeah, I'm ready to shoe the dough. Let's All do right. this. Let's shoe this dough. Uh, we're going to do, uh, like we said, a no-label safe. But first, <laughs> from the corners of the earth... People keep doing stuff, and stuff keeps happening. That stuff is called news, so it's time to peruse the news. What do you got today? Um, TSA thinks that pre-check is the solution to uh, long lines, and so you can now apply to do a pre-check for travel. I, I thought, thought this that was, was really already, interesting. I thought that was already a thing. I thought TSA pre-check had been a thing for a while now. I have not heard of this personally, so I don't know if maybe it's just starting to get like out on other sources, but as the summer travel season's kicking off, maybe that's part of it is that they want to really get the news out that you can actually uh sign is up for Is it still a, a cost? Yes. Because it used to be a cost. It so is. It, it's still okay. So I I look at that and I think why can't why does this have to be a cost? Right? Because it's saving them time and money. Yes. But, but what, they what am I make... misunderstanding here? Like, this is a benefit to them. Well, I think it's because of the process. Because I read through it. Um, you have to apply to do it. And mm-hmm. then you have to go in for an interview. Of course. That's fine. I get it. So I think that's maybe what you're paying for is that they have to pay extra attention to you for that interview yeah, process. I get that. I'm just saying long term. They don't have you. They don't have to run the machine for your stuff anymore. They don't. You know what I mean? Like you can just go through the metal detector and you're good to go. You have to get your fingerprints taken, and there's the interview process and a form. There's an eighty-five dollar fee, and it covers your travel for five years. I've been traveling more now than mm-hmm. ever before because of the work we do and that kind of stuff. I really haven't had an experience where waiting in line has been that much of a problem because I get to the airport okay. at, on a good time. But we went this last trip, we went to go catch a flight 
we were rerouted to another gate. So we had to basically walk packed. twice as long because we had to walk all the way to the other gate side mm-hmm. and then walk all the way back across. But uh, it was insane, the line, to go through the airport security. Yeah. I I didn't think we were going to make our flight. And I think we were there almost an hour and a half to two hours early. Yeah. So I can see why this would be really attractive. And you'd still have to wait in, you'd still have to go through a metal detector. You'd still have to wait in a line. It just wouldn't be the same line. And you wouldn't have to take off your shoes and your jacket or pull your right. computer out, that kind of stuff. Um, I've actually been through that line. You will sometimes, when you get your pass, your boarding pass, it'll have on it TSA pre-check. And it'll, they'll just grant that to you. Like they have like random oh, like, people. Oh, like a lottery or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've actually had that happen. I'll, you know, I went up to the regular line. They're like, oh, you're, you're good. Go through the pre-check. I was like, what? And so I go through the pre-check. I'm like taking my shoes off. They're like, you don't, you don't have to do any of that here. <laughs> like keep all your clothes please, on. Please keep your clothing on, sir. <laughs> Stay clothed. You can just come on through, you know, we'll just walk you through the metal detector. So, so do you think that's worth 85 bucks for five years? No. Okay. No, I don't. Um, I think it should be much cheaper. That would be me. 15 bucks and then everybody on the planet would do it. That's right. 85 and not everybody's going to do it. Uh, my first peruse the news is another one that feels like it should have happened a long time ago, but it's just now happening. Uh, female pilots can now be buried at Arlington Cemetery. How is it that we weren't letting women be buried? Is at it a milita- women at all or is it women pilots? I don't know. It's, it says women who served as pilots during World War II can finally be buried at Arlington National Cemetery, uh, Cemetery thanks to bipartisan efforts. Uh, so the bill was signed into law that allows uh, the ashes of a woman who flew in the Woman Air Force Service Pilots Program, or WASP, to be laid to rest at the military cemetery. So it's just really interesting uh, that that's that that's something that's happening. You know that that's something that just now is happening. Yeah, you would think that that would have been done a long time ago, but then of course women haven't had rights for all that long. If you really think about it. And maybe we can get into this kind of more on a millennial side of things, and you know, later on in the show, just the perspective of like for me growing up, it's like, well, that's a big duh. Doesn't it seem like though something like this should have been at least twenty years ago? They should have done something like this. You know what I mean? Like the late nineties. By then, certainly somebody should have done. It's just so strange to me that there are still, you know, just in the last few years, golf courses that are just letting women play golf there. You know what I mean? Like it's just like. What kind of like Boys how club slow? World. Yeah, how slow are we to adapt? You know, to this kind of stuff. So I don't know. I just found that interesting. That is interesting. What do you got? Uh, my next one is about Twitter, and it's coming soon. Uh, you can do even more in 140 characters, which is just basically what does and does not take up your 140 characters. This is great. So I'm so happy for this. When you reply to a tweet and you use the at sign, and then you link another person in mm-hmm. by their name. That takes up characters. Yep. They're changing that so that it won't. Media attachments like photos, GIFs, and videos and polls, mm-hmm. those aren't going to count towards characters anymore. Retweets and quotes, um, things like that, no longer going to count towards 140 characters. So I think, that's, I think that's smart, and I'm glad that they're doing that because it is difficult to say what you want to say in 140 or less. That's part of the point of Twitter though, right? The, that's, yeah. that's the so whole thing with Twitter kind of is say what you part. need to say, you know, quickly and succinctly. Yeah. But I do love, because there's, have you ever had the frustrating thing happen where it's like, oh, I've got the perfect thing to say about this link or this picture. And then you put the picture on. It's like, what? I'm over now? Like yeah. I was under just a second ago, yep. but because I'm attaching a picture, I'm over. I understand that you got to have like all the bandwidth and all the storage yeah. that it takes for all the people of Twitter. Like that's just, that's a lot of archiving. 
So I guess they found some more room somewhere. <laughs> they probably bought like 50 more storage units. And they they were on Amazon. Servers Twitter was on Amazon the other night buying terabyte drives. Yes. <laughs> They're like, hey guys, we got another terabyte. <laughs> we're good to go. I guess we can let them have the pictures now. I think we'll be all right. What's your next one? Uh, my next one is donated organs kept alive may ease the transplant shortage. So basically what they're doing is now when somebody donates an organ, they have machines now that will actually keep those organs viable for a longer time so that they can be used by somebody Ooh, who needs smart. them when they need them. Because most of the problem with organ donation it's a isn't very that there short aren't enough donors. Yeah. It's that when they donate, if there's nobody who needs it, 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 it goes oh, to waste. Yeah, it goes to waste because it has to be such an immediate thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I just love the fact that this is going to be, uh, this is huge, right? Like oh, if yeah. you can keep these, then the shortage goes away, you know? Uh, and I think that's really, really important and yeah. valuable. Yeah. Also, I think it's really valuable just to check your driver's license if you haven't and make sure that you have marked on there somewhere that you are an organ donor. If you want to. If you want to. No, I would never presume to make somebody <laughs> do that. Um, although I would love to have a conversation with anybody who doesn't want to about why they wouldn't. Another no longer safe day. That would be a great no longer safe. Um, but yeah, make sure if you want to do that, that it is marked there so that, that people know and that you've told people that you're close to that you want to do have, that have as well. Have you ever known anyone who is waiting for an organ? Um, we had I, a church once that ordered one for services and it took a while to Dicer. come in, but Aaron Dicer. <laughs> so just you just crack yourself on, up. I was just answering the question honestly. Moving on then. <laughs> no, I actually haven't. I haven't. Um, I, I've known one family that had a husband waiting for an organ. That's gotta be so crazy difficult. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty wild. Yeah. And there's a lot of emotion behind that too. For sure. Okay, my last one is from Gizmodo. Okay. Only two states will avoid an absurdly hot summer this year. So apparently uh, the NOAA, which I Googled for those of us who do not know that that's Can the I National Oceanic and oh. Atmospheric Administration. I, I knew Oceanic. Did you want to guess? I, <laughs> I knew Oceanic, but I didn't know I didn't know the, uh, the Atmospheric a. Atmospheric. That's one I would have missed. I would have yeah. missed Atmospheric. They released their summer outlook and they're predicting that... It's going to be really hot temperatures this year, which is not surprising for the heat records that have been going on for a while anyway. Um, but there's this little, there's this nice map for those of us who want to start planning our summer vacation. And there's just like this little tiny section in the middle of America that is supposed to have like a normal, normal kind of summer feeling. I, is there a normal summer anymore? Is there any normal season anymore? It seems no. like it's so different every year. No matter where you live, you know, I mean, it's obviously usually colder but in like Michigan than it is really in Florida. if you really want to avoid super hot temperatures, mm -hmm. you don't want to go to certain areas, right? Like, so <laughs> it's kind of nice. I went, I traveled, I think it was something like six or seven years ago, maybe, okay. to the East Coast during summer. Did not look and see what the temperatures gonna, were going to be. And it was record-breaking heat. And I was traveling for 14 days on the East Coast like with just like a backpack and shoes with, uh -huh. my, with my cousin. And it was miserable. It was so hot. I thought I was going to die. But you can't, you can't tell that though, like specific like weeks. Like you don't know. It still could be super hot when you go do that. It's well, not it like this would protect you for that. temperature outlook from June to August. But that's an overall average. You're still going to yeah. have those weeks where it's going to be blazing somewhere and you, yeah, had no, you had no idea. So like, you know, the real benefit of this is just like, if you live here, it might be a hotter than normal summer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like vacationing. You can never know. Of note, Missouri, not going to be too bad. 
thankfully, <laughs> which is where I live. Is it that section in the middle of America that's normal? Yeah. Yeah. That would be weird Here, here's for the, the Ozarks to be. <laughs> it's just like. Isn't that funny? It's like it's like a little circle in the middle with like nice white, couple mm-hmm. white states. Yeah. And then pretty much then there's a ring around it that's orange and then we go into just pretty wow, much red. That, that is that is very interesting that that it's east to west, not north to south. You know what I mean? Yeah, the but heat it's is supposed be compared, to be on the edges. But, it, but it's got to be compared to normal averages. Yes. Right? Yes. It doesn't mean that Michigan is going to be warmer than Louisiana. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Although that would be amazing and potentially apocalyptic. All right. My final peruse the news uh, is my nightmare come to life. It actually happened. My nightmare happened. Somebody was just minding their business, flying back from the Dominican Republic, feels a little brush on their leg. Looks down to see, oh, what's brushed against my leg? Did somebody drop their water bottle? Did something just kind of hit me? Is there a child behind me grabbing for my leg? No, it's a giant tarantula climbing on my leg in the middle of this flight. Come to find out, there were two of them. Two tarantulas. Two giant, not just tarantulas. Please, Danae, can we be clear? (laughs) Giant tarantulas loose in the plane. Yeah, this isn't good. Three hours left in the flight, mind you. Yeah, they're not going to turn around for tarantulas. No. Hopefully there was somebody that was a spider lover that captured them and saved them from the stampede that would be everyone else trying to kill them. So the the the, the words from the flight like that they're using are like panic. That kind of, like I guess people were screaming, like well, people were yeah. standing in their airline seats. And sure. Just like, I was just like, that would be me. It's you a would, good thing nobody had a blowtorch. Because you just, you got to wonder, like, at that point, like, uh, they don't know that there's not more than two. Like, was somebody transporting, uh. like, a hundred spiders and they're all over the plane? Like, you don't know. How would you know? And no one's fessing up. No. I think, like, if I was a flight attendant, on your mother being a flight attendant, I wonder. My mother, to be fair, is a gate attendant. Gate attendant. This is different. She doesn't but actually being get a ra- on the being plane. But being in that world, uh-huh. uh, being used to kind of, like, how that would, I wonder what insight she would have on like procedures of you know when there's a loose animal oh on the here's plane. the procedure when a giant tarantula is on your plane you scream <laughs> you pull your knees up to your chest and you panic that's the procedure you hopefully pass out wake up three hours later everything's yes. fine yes the airbags deploy because <laughs> of the this lack would of not, this would not be i would not be panicking you wouldn't be no tell me why i i just i think I think I would just try to get it into a vomit bag and be done with it. <laughs> like, I would try to be the one that just sort of gently scoops it and is uh-huh. like, it's fine. It's not going to hurt anybody. Let's just all calm down a little bit. It's not like it's going to spray out some sort of... Danae, did you miss the part where I said it was a giant tarantula? Hey, that's kind of cool. It will hurt somebody. Here's the thing. Put a snake in there, I'm different. <laughs> a tarantula, I'm fine. A snake, I don't think I would like if that. If only very there much. were a movie about snakes on a plane. If only if that only. had actually happened, then well, you would know what it was like. That was our peruse of the news. Well, we've got some really cool news for you guys. We decided to release uh, a shoe the dough mug. With the original Shoe the Dough logo on it. This is the OG Shoe the Dough logo. OG. It's going to be a limited run. We're going to just do it one time and be completely done. So this mug will only exist sort of right now. So if you're a fan of Shoe the Dough, whether you're a Patreon supporter or not, if you love the show, there's a link for you. It's on Band. It's on our Facebook page. But here's how you can find it. 
tchip.com slash shoe the dough mug. So it's T-E-E chip.com slash shoe the dough mug. And you'll be able to see it in all of its glory. And all of that uh, will, of course, go to keep this show going and support what we do here. So thank you for for doing that. Now, I have a question about the limited exclusivity of this thing. Yeah. All right. So we're not making this ever again. Nope. And you said how long? 24 days? It's for 24 more days. Okay. So like a month long, you'll have an opportunity to buy the limited edition mug. June 17th will be the final day to purchase the mug. 10 bucks for the mug. 10 bucks for the mug. All right. And it said like... Six have been sold out of 10? Are there only 10? Like, what happens when the 10th one is sold? So here's the thing. I didn't know what I was doing when I set it up. (laughs) People wanted mugs. So I looked online. Where can we get mugs? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I get really excited about it. I think once... They said, how many do you think you're going to sell? And I was like, I think we'll sell 10. That seems like a reasonable amount of mugs. Well, within the first five minutes, we sold six. (laughs) So we're getting kind of close to the end of that run. So we'll have to see. Once the next four sell, we'll know for sure. But grab your mug if you would like one. Again, it's tchip.com slash dough. We've tweeted about it, Facebooked about it, and put the link in band. And thank you, of course, for doing that. All right. It is on to the next section of this episode of Shoe the Dough, which is a no-label safe which is where we go a little bit deeper into a topic and just have some real conversation uh, with people about different labels that they have been placed with or been put on them. Uh, Sometimes it's a discussion between Danae and I about labels we see in the world. Other times it's a discussion with people who wear labels or are given labels by others. And we just happen to be joined today by our friend Meg. And Meg is what is known uh, currently as a millennial, which I've been hearing so much lately about who millennials are, what they do, uh, what does it mean to be one. And I always think with the generation stuff, like, today, do you know what generation you are? Um, a generation alive on the planet, existing, <laughs> would like to not have to fit into that label at all. But that's I it, think, right? I like, think I'm, I think I'm considered X. Okay. Yeah, I think you're... I think I'm Gen there's, X. There's this weird thing that happens with Gen X and Gen Y. Uh, you may be gener- Generation Y, uh, and it, that would... Go along with the not wanting to be labeled. That's very much a Gen Y thing. So, but I think that's most of us. Anyway, just the idea of what it means to be in a generation, what it means to, you know, kind of be associated with your peers and who they are. Um, so it's, it, I thought it'd be an interesting conversation to have with somebody who is in the millennial generation and kind of hears this stuff and then just to talk about what that means to them. Uh, Meg, tell us, uh, first of all, how old you are. I am 17. Okay, so... Why are you hanging out with us? (laughs) Is it because we're cool enough to potentially be millennials ourselves? Yes. I see potential. Uh, That's right. Grasshopper. I see potential. (laughs) Just take a few years off. Uh, Um, When you hear that, Meg, what do you think about it? Like, what does that mean to you, like, to be a millennial? Do you even think about it? Or what have you read about it? All that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm just a person i i know that there are different generations with like those labels and i think when people think of millennials they think of i mean you know we're a generation we have a lot more access to like technology and social media and i think that um people like associate all of that stuff with millennials and stuff Mm -hmm. like that oh sure absolutely that's a big part of it sure and i think but for me i don't really think about I mean, I'm proud to be a, a millennial. I'm just, you know, I'm just Meg. I'm just a person. And, uh, 
yeah, I, I think that people will sometimes almost dumb down millennials and make us seem like we're super just lazy and we don't do anything and okay, all that stuff. That's and, a great place to start because that is one of them that you'll see in a lot of kind yeah. of the stereotypical what's it mean to be a millennial is like uh, too lazy to get a job, thinks everything should be handed to them on a silver platter. Do you and it should <laughs> come on? Do you how do you feel about going into the workforce? Like once you graduate from high school or college or, you know, do you do what do you see yourself doing? And do you do you kind of associate with those feelings or how do you feel about that? I mean, I think that, you know, millennials aren't lazy and all that stuff. Like people say, I think that, um, you know, yes, we have access to things so much faster than what people did a few generations ago. That being said, I think that it's really cool to see what, you know, us millennials can do on the internet and it's creating so many job opportunities and it's just a really cool way like technology to get like your creativeness out there and really speak your voice and I think that that's really cool and I think that people don't give millennials enough credit because we're all, I mean, if you go look, Millennials are hilarious. Like, <laughs> I lo like we. I love the millennial sense of humor. It's super kind of wacky and weird, and I really appreciate that. Um, I'm not the typical millennial, you know. I I much more of an old soul. But you know, in millennials, there isn't a typical millennial because everyone is their own person, and I don't think you can just like lump everybody lump together. Lump everyone together. We're all individuals, and yes, I'm a millennial, but that doesn't mean I'm obsessed with like technology and all this stuff and that doesn't mean that other people are too it just means we have more access but you are it. right you are obsessed with technology no not really okay I mean, all right yeah although I mean, you do consume a lot of media yeah i mean i i, I don't know if that's like a, a general if i don't know if that's a like something that would decipher a millennial a, well, a lot from of anyone else but a lot I think of internet because, media yeah, yeah like youtube and yeah, you know uh, sure. different apps that are, you know connect i think the thing that i've noticed about it is that there's just such a better understanding of how to connect to people through the internet yeah, and i yeah you have that almost just as a part of your life right whereas even for me and then generations that were before it's something we have to work at and think mm -hmm. about because it's not just a second nature. It's not a conversation that I ever had with my friends. Hey, connect with me later on Facebook was never yeah. a part of my youth. <laughs> you know, it was I'll page you and then you can call me on the on the pay phone. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually part of my youth. Well, what's what's kind of funny is I've been off. I have Snapchat and I watch YouTube videos. But besides that, I have been off social media for about four months now. And whenever I say that, even like older people, they'll like look at me, they'll be like, wait, you don't have a, a Facebook? Because like I'm like in different like groups and worship, I'm on worship team and stuff like that. So they're like, oh, I'll just add you to the Facebook page. And it's like, I don't have Facebook. And it's been, it's actually come pretty easy to me not having social media, which really surprised me because I did spend a lot of time on it. I wouldn't say I was like addicted to it, but I for sure looked at my phone probably a way lot. more than I should have in a day. And it's been really, really refreshing not having any of that. It's not It's not a bad thing at all having social media. I'm eventually going to get back on social media. I just know for me personally, I needed to kind of take a break from that for a while. So when you say social media, you mean Facebook, Facebook Twitter, Instagram, and Twitter. Instagram. I wasn't even, I only had like a Facebook, Instagram, and then I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. Like, I'm very basic when it comes to social media. I don't have all of the, like, really, like, 
cool ones, I guess, because there's so many social media platforms out there and people like name them off to me. And I, again, I just, I have the basics. I'm very 2010 when it comes to social media. I very guess. 2010. <laughs> so six years ago. <laughs> so six years ago. But you do do Snapchat. Yes. Okay, so you do have that. that, yes. that you. Are you trying to find some way to connect with Meg? Like, like okay, so we do share... We do no, share this thinking, one thing. We do have the snap of chat. I, I got rid of it for a while, but I was like, I need my Snapchat back. So I got that. My friends begged me. They were like, please get Snapchat back. Um, so I got a Snapchat. But I don't even, that's more like texting with pictures for me. Yeah, I mean, I do watch people's stories, but like, yeah. I love Snapchat. I used to not like it. I had one, then I deleted it because I was like, this is weird. And then I got one again because it's like, oh, the filters and all the possibilities. I think it's really cool. <laughs> you mentioned earlier about the creativity. And that's one thing that I think I really enjoyed about being around anyone who has grown up with the Internet in, is that you're using it as a tool instead of it being something that you go to and like you're discovering things. Mm -hmm. I, it's I active, see, not passive. Yeah, yeah, I see the Internet more of like a I mean, it's a very passive thing for me. I go and I like. I'll look at the news or I'll go and I'll, you know, watch something that I go to find specifically. Or but, she'll go and she'll be on Imager for like two know, hours, two hours in a row yeah. <laughs> looking at funny pictures. But I don't use it as a tool for my life. Like mm -hmm. I don't use it to develop a skill for video creativity or, you know, creating uh, like a following or I don't know. I, I do know how to do it. It's just I don't apply myself to do it. And I think that if you are a quote unquote millennial, you have that sort of intricately part of you already because you're you're literally just with this technology from the moment you're born. <laughs> you're, you have access to it. You know, it's there for you. And so it becomes more of a tool and you can like really have a better understanding of how to use it. So I'm kind of jealous of that, actually. It, I think it's more like millennial. I don't know when it, it's like, what, 1982 to 19. All right, here, I'll, I'll go ahead and break it down. I have it actually yeah. here in front of me. So the, the first generation that was really broke down was what they call the greatest generation. Mm -hmm. And that was until 1946. Actually, Tom Brokaw coined that phrase. Uh, then the baby boomers is when it really mm -hmm. started people to think about what it means to be in a generation. And that was anybody born between 1946 and 1964. Uh, then Generation X followed. That's anybody between 1965 and 1984. So I was towards the middle of Generation X. I'm like right in the middle of Gen X. I'm towards the end You're of towards Gen the X. end of Gen X. But here's the thing. Then there was Generation Y. Yeah, that one came in Which weirdly. actually overlaps part of Generation X and actually goes into the Millennials hmm. as well. What did, When does that start? That starts, uh, it looks like... Mm, Ish? Yeah, like late 70s-ish. So, like, why, just like 10 why? years after... Generation Y, why is that? that is exactly... Why? Why I don't know. You'll have to that? ask the Harvard Center, because they're the ones that coined both Generation X and Generation Y. But I think it's probably Generation Y is kind of a lost generation just between Gen X and Millennials. I remember that being talked about, people being like, I'm Gen X, I'm Gen Y, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. Uh, generation Y grew up with the communication of the internet... Y generation is Maybe known as it. the culture war background with growing disagreements between conservative and progressive perspectives in between 76 and 2001. It is the widest possible definition commonly cited, but generally be, uh, speaking, generation starts with the 80s and ends in the middle of the 90s for Generation Y. So that would be me. And then the millennials, uh, 1982 through 2004 is uh is when they were born and then they've said through 2004 so now there's a new generation that's growing up right now mm -hmm. that will be to be determined what Ooh, you know i'm gonna call them <laughs> i don't know i think that though that generation like the newest one is like your brother really, yeah like the technology like he already like we don't give james a bunch of 
technology all the time, but once in a while he'll watch YouTube and he's learned how to skip ads and stuff like that. Like it's amazing. And he's how old? He's two. Two, yeah. two and a half. So it's just, it's crazy. Cause like I grew up, I don't know. I didn't have much technology when I was younger. Like I didn't even have cable. I grew up watching like I Love Lucy, The Brady Bunch, Bewitched, all of those shows. In reruns. Let's yeah. just be clear. <laughs> didn't, didn't watch them when they were on the first time. No, those no, were no. on we, before we, we I had, was born. We, so. had the, we had the DVDs. Um, and I don't know. Not even the VHSs. Uh, a VH what? A VH what? <laughs> we had a VHS. We were pretty cool. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, I still watch like you know Hannah Montana and stuff on DisneyChannel.com. But besides that, I didn't talk so good. <laughs> but, um, you know, besides that, I didn't have, like, the amount of technology that, like, little kids today do, um, mm -hmm. which is crazy, which I'm kind of thankful for that because I feel like it's so easy to get sucked up into technology. And I don't know. It was it's even hard for me, again, not to get sucked up in my phone. And I'm. I'm almost 18. Well, it's hard for all of us. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fact that we constantly have a device with us right. now that gives us access to anything. anything that we would ever want, you know, that we would want to know about, that we would want to watch, that we would want to, you know, listen to. It's all right in our hands. Not only that, but connects us to all the people we would want to connect right. to immediately with a, you know, a text message or a visual message or whatever is... I mean, that's a lot of power to hold in your right. hand. Right, and I think that it's, like, incredibly awesome of the amount of people you connect, can connect with all over the world and stuff, but I also think there needs to be balance, you know, of how much phone time you have and then how much, like, of the, the real world what's around you. I am interested, too, to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. The awareness of that exposure to the world, how... Like, I think it depends on how you're raised. So this is going to kind of be a two-part question because mm -hmm. your answer will be based on your family experience, but then also your personal experience. Do you have an in, like an instinctive awareness that your posts on social media or your posts can have like a super long-term effect mm -hmm. on your life? And like, how, how do you interact with that knowledge? Yeah, I mean, I've always been taught, you know, be careful what you post. And that's, I mean, that's how me and my sister were raised. We know, because it's like, I don't want to go into a job interview one day and <laughs> have all of this stuff. I mean, I've had my Facebook for, since I was 13. So I would post things like, oh my gosh, Justin Bieber, you're so hot. But then again, I still <laughs> post stuff like that. So <laughs> it doesn't really make a difference. We all do, but, we all do. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, yeah, I think it's just kind of a, a smart thing to always have in the back of your head that when you post something, even if it's private it's not necessarily private and just be smart about what you post post positivity I think that you know one downside to having social media is it's so easy to for cyberbullying anyone can bully you and I think that's awful and I hate that cyberbullying exists I think also you know it's so easy to also compare yourself to other people on social media um, it's like, oh, my friend got like 100 likes on her profile picture and I have five. Great. You know, stuff like that. And I think that, you know, that's just for me personally that I dealt with that when I was a little younger and I'm more confident in myself knowing that likes don't define me. But I think overall it's just being smart about what you post, post love, positivity, because, you know, you can post love and positivity and it can touch someone's life and make such a huge impact. And I think that's awesome. But I also... want all millennials to be like Meg. <laughs> well, here's an that. interesting thing. One of the one of the stereotypes for millennials on the positive side is that you do care about issues mm -hmm. like that. Your generation, more than a lot of generations that have come before you, is very passionate about 
you know, social issues mm-hmm. and making sure hungry get fed and it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Do you I, sense that? Do you feel that yes, in your friends? And- I, I love that. I love the passion millennials have. And I think that when it's great to be passionate about something. And I think that also, you know, you posting stuff on social media is great too, but I also there, think there needs to be an aspect of going out and actually making things happen. And you can organize stuff like, hey guys, let's meet here and like, let's go to Convoy of Hope and like do stuff like that. So I think that millennials are for sure really passionate. And um, hmm. I, I love that about this generation. Well, I like that you also touched on that it's more than just clicking like on something right. because that is also a stereotype of millennials is right. that they care, but that they think they're doing something just by awareness. But you at the same time, we, uh, coming out in the news pretty regularly are super young people under the age of 20 who are developing entire business models and launching into having their entire careers pretty much laid out in front of mm-hmm. them because they had a great idea that solved a problem and they used their tools that they have through access to all of this digital age Mm -hmm. to accomplish goals and to solve problems and then all of a sudden it's just like hey i might only be you know 18 years old but i've already done this this and this and then this is you know where my life is kind of headed right now which i think probably has pros and cons you think of like the the thing that i can relate to the most in my mind is maybe like a child actor sort of having a breakthrough and then being launched into like the public eye but now the public eye is so diverse because you can have a huge audience and be really super young on YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you also have, like I was mentioning, these young people who have like truly made a massive positive impact on our culture just because they have access to this information. Yeah. And they're, they're like really it's launching. It's amazing to see because if you post something that you're passionate about and you want to make like an awesome difference in this world, like reposting something retweeting whatever liking can go a really long ways and gets people aware of stuff and i think that that's so cool and the cool thing about social media is you can just reach anyone in the world and i think that that's amazing and i think that you know it's good to really put stuff out there of what you're passionate about and also go out and like you know in the real real world because like not everyone is on social media so if you want your voice to be heard you should do it from both aspects but both are really Awesome. So the the tension then is between the idea of awareness, which, as you said, is a good thing. It's good Mm -hmm. for us to be aware. But the tension then comes between, okay, so what do we do about it? Because if your if your goal is just to make people aware that can do something about it and you're constantly and when I say you, I mean, all of us are unaware of what we ourselves could be doing about it then I think we've we've kind of missed a point. And I think that's probably where a lot of the eye rolling happens when, you know, uh, you see especially some uh, celebrities mm-hmm. uh, in this, you know, kind of this generation celebrity. I think of like the Kardashians or those kind of things who it's all about mm-hmm. awareness, but what are they doing? I think that's where kind of a lot of that, that comes from. Yeah, I think you can, you know, and you can, you can make people aware, but you can also make a difference by posting stuff and, it's just the act of seeing something of, okay, if it's like, be nice to someone today and you like share that on Facebook, like that's great. But then I'm going to take that post and be like, okay, I'm going to go out and be nice. So I think you can make a difference in both social media by just sharing something or by actually going out and uh, really sharing your voice in the real world as well. This might be a step down. But okay. I found this interesting chart and I just wanted to share it with you because it kind of was a little bit mind blowing. It kind of broke it down into like this, the 20th century and then the 21st century. 
And for 1946 through 1990, there's actually three sections that they break down and they explain what it is. So like there was the baby boomers, also called boom generation and hippie. And then it explains this was space exploration, first modern counterculture. Okay. Okay. Then the next was baby busters. That's 65 to 80. So all of a sudden, like I was born in 80. So it's kind of when my my little mm-hmm. brain clicks in. And that is explained as Generation X experienced the Vietnam and Cold War. Also in Generation X is 75 to 85, which is the rise of mass media and the end of the Cold War. That's me. Right. So it kind of That's what it down. defined me. Also called the MTV generation and the boomerang generation. So it's like it's kind of an interesting chart where I technically fit into generation X, but I'm more on the MTV generation, boomerang generation, which is the rise of mass media end of Cold War, at least for my youth that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and then generation Y, it says the rise of information age, internet, war on terror, Iraq war, rising gas and food prices. So I love that this chart kind of broke it down into sort of what was happening in culture. That's like, oh yeah, that's, so, you know, I think that they just, there's a lot of definitions, but what's important is just to really remember that culturally what's happening is what defines our generations. So it's not just like we were born, because I remember being told whenever I was little that we were the lazy generation, that we weren't going to do anything and we were the ones yeah, that Yeah, I remember thinking about Gen, people said the same thing uh, yeah. about Gen X. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, you know, when media started to really kick in with television, um, it having mass, having access to a television in your home, it went from like radio access to then like radio and television access. That was really kind of like how you were quote unquote connected to other communities. And then our homes began to see other versions of life through the television model of what life could be like. And so it's just a really interesting kind of like shift into like our daily culture as a society here, at least in America, I'm specifically talking about the Midwest where I was born. So, you know, then we're kind of moving into all these things. Then you have these big kind of world things happen like the Vietnam War and the Cold War. So it's just, it's important, I think, to remember too, that a lot of the reflection for what a quote unquote millennial will look like is going to happen in the next 20, 30 mm. years yeah. where someone's going to go back and say, okay, so generation X is defined actually in two sections. And so like a millennial, there might be like multiple kind of things that sort of happen within the culture. But I love that we're trying to have a conversation today that highlights the overall feel of it, which is an awareness of what's going on with other people in their person. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's what's going on in society and what's going on in the world too. And yeah, being motivated to kind of make a difference and help. But I feel like the big heart that I've been around has been connecting with an individual and saying, I see you, you're valuable, you're important, your journey is important. And, you know, don't listen to bullies. And, you know, like, it's just, there's like a, because they're, your guys's platform is so much more global. Mm-hmm. Instead of having two or three people circle you or in my case, 10 girls circle you in, in your youth and all tell you that you're ugly and you're out of the group and nobody loves you, which actually happened to me. It's like could potentially be thousands of people. And and you can't escape it. And you can't get away from you it. You can't. I mean, you can certainly you can be off social media, but it's still there yeah. and all your friends see it. And, and someone screen captures it, you know, and, then yeah. you know, it comes back to haunt you later or you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like this. I feel like the millennial generation or this coming generation is one that is learning how to responsibly act in our culture better than we are because we we didn't grow up with it. Right. So we didn't have the benefit of adapting to it in our most adaptable state. 
if that makes sense. You know, when you're growing up, that's when you're the most adaptable, adaptable to the yeah. world around you. And if you're given the the instruction on, you know, morals and values in uh, those kind of things, then you're able to adapt to a world where, I mean, we haven't even talked about the pornography issue. The fact that, you know, oh, sexually yeah. explicit things are available at the, you know, touch and of predators. a button. And predators and the, all that kind of stuff that, you know, your generation is having to experience like none of us had to do. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we haven't talked about any of that, but you're learning how to adapt to that. I think in a much healthier way because you've had to, even though we think it's, you know, it's awful that you have to live in a world like that. We do live in a world like that. And so, you know, learning how to health, you know, have a healthy view of that and a healthy, you know, work through that, I think is, is really important. And that's what I'm seeing with a lot of the millennials I know is they're learning how to, to be healthy about that. And Uh, Yeah, it's almost like for me, when I first kind of came across the depths of the internet, I couldn't get away from it. I was so excited. It was like, there's forums, there's people, there's Mm -hmm. conversations. But then, you know, the quote unquote youth of today are like, meh, (laughs) you know, like can can simply just walk away from it and not not even worry about it anymore well, you which is kind of nice facebook i don't think facebook is a millennial thing i think most no, millennials don't m- most, care for facebook no. or um, are on it at all i mean i know you know my boys don't um, they technically have one i think just to connect with a family maybe but yeah. like and i don't even you know really go on facebook much anymore except for that i have to for work mm-hmm. people will be like well there's an event and i'm like oh i've got to go to facebook and see the event now <laughs> you know but all right let's, that's a whole uh, other conversation let's do this uh i have a quiz here Okay. Okay. These are questions to determine how millennial you are on a scale of zero to 100. Are we all so, going to take this? Uh-huh. Are we uh, we're going to let this? Meg take it. Okay. okay. Uh, I don't know that we'll have time for all of us to take it. Maybe we could all take it after the show yeah. and maybe yeah. post our results. <gasps> okay, Meg, okay. are you ready? I am. All right. There is no wrong answer. Of course not. In the past 24 hours, did you watch more than one hour of television programming or not? Yes. Okay. I believe you said something about staying up till 3 a.m. But... <laughs> By the way, the the wonderful old shows that you watch, if you don't watch the Dick Van Dyke show, it is the best show of all time. I met Jerry Van Dyke. Oh, that show is so good. So good. Uh, I, lo- I love Lucy. Lucille Ball is my queen. Like, I love her. Like, I her and Desi Arnaz. Desi Arnaz was my first, like, celebrity crush. crush. And him and Barry <laughs> That's Williams. That's amazing. Like, That's Greg amazing. Brady. Like, not so much now. Like, he seems like a cool guy, but like, Greg, Johnny Bravo. Like, you know. <laughs> we, met, we we met Greg Brady the other yeah. day when we were at the uh, the premiere of, what was, oh, it was the IMAX premiere. It was a Batman was v at. Superman yeah, yeah. with the uh, 4K laser showing in IMAX and Brady. Yeah, he was there, so. Yeah. If I ever see him, I will literally go, Johnny Bravo! <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah. In the past 24 hours, did you read a newspaper or not? Does like a book count? Or I guess no. No, no, no. A newspaper. No. Okay. I don't know who's answering yes to that. <laughs> uh, in the past 24 hours, did you play video games or not? No. Okay. Even an app? Do you play app games? No, not really. Oh, it's disappointing. Thinking about your telephone use, do you have only a landline phone in your home, only a cell phone, both a landline and a cell phone? We have um, a cell phone. Only a cell phone? Well, yeah, we all each have our individual right, right. cell okay. phones. Right, right, okay, you got it. In the past 24 hours, about how many text messages, if any, did you send or receive on your cell phone? No text messages on your cell phone in the past 24 hours, one to nine text messages, 10 to 49 text messages, or more than 50 text messages? One to nine. One to nine text yeah, messages. Yeah, not a big That texter. surprises me. I, I don't like texting. I like talking on the phone or FaceTime. How many snaps, personal snaps, did you send people not in the past many. 24 hours? Okay. I mean, 
like probably one to nine. Okay. That's not one of the questions. That was just one of my yeah. questions. How just in, curious. How important is being successful in a high paying career or profession to you personally? One of the most important things, very important, but not the most, somewhat important or not important. I mean, overall, I just want to be happy, but... That's not listed here. Uh, I guess, what what were the options? One of the most important things, very important, but not the most, somewhat important, or not important. Very important, but not the most. I okay. think it's good to be successful. We are we are six questions in. I don't think you're going to rank as very millennial. That's just really? my guess. I'm just... Well, she's a very, very mature young woman. Mm. Uh, do you think more people <laughs> of different races marrying each other is a... Good thing for society, bad thing for society, or doesn't make much difference for society? Good thing. All right. In the past 12 months, have you contacted a government official or not? This contact could have been in person, by phone, by letter, by sending an email, or posting a message on their website or social networking page. Yes, I contacted a government official in the past 12 months. No, I did not. This past year. Um, I met Billy Long in D.C. Does that That absolutely count? counts. Yes. I'd say yeah. meeting personally. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So, yes, contacted a government official. Uh, have you ever created your own profile or any social networking site, such as on so any social networking site, such as, you ready for the first choice? Mm-hmm. MySpace. Oh, wow. <laughs> Facebook or LinkedIn, or haven't you done this? Um, yeah, I've done Facebook. I want a MySpace. I've always wanted a MySpace. <laughs> I had just a like MySpace a retro before thing. it turned into <laughs> what so just now. You just want to rank your top five. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I actually <laughs> recreated. Five breath. Yeah. Uh, how important is living a very religious life to you personally? One of the most important things, very important, but not the most, somewhat important or not important? Um, I mean, I don't really, I'm not, I believe in God, but I don't want to say I'm like religious. You know okay. what I'm saying? So I, I guess. In terms of having God as like the center of my life, I'll say most important because I think that's what it's implying. But you know, good what answer. I'm good answer. <laughs> All right, we'll put one of the most important things. Yeah, because he's my main focus, but I'm not. He's the main religious. focus. Uh, that's actually, I think, a very millennial answer. I'm not sure it is in this quiz, but to you know, to understand the distinction between religion and loving God yeah, is not something my generation was good at. You know, like it wasn't something we no, talked about a lot. There's a huge difference between being religious and living for God and loving God. Yeah. Uh, were your parents married during most of the time you were growing up or not? Married or not married? They are married. Okay. This is such an interesting thing to just sit back and listen to. Do you have a tattoo? I do not. You're not a millennial. All millennials have tattoos. <laughs> She's 17. She can't have one. <laughs> I can't even commit to apples, let alone, like, I think a tattoo. Like, I think tattoos are cool, but I don't know. Uh, do you have a piercing in a place other than your earlobe? No. Okay. I'm getting my nose pierced, though, when I'm 18. I'm excited about that. I probably should put yes for that, so then. Piercing, if you're so excited about the nose maybe, piercing, Maybe. Just say no, because I'm maybe, okay. but... In general, would you describe your politics as conservative, moderate, or liberal? Um moderate i guess okay i don't really last one uh please tell us your age 17 all right ready for your results yes your millennial score is 58 out of 100 (laughs) so she's close so basically basically we need to do this entire podcast again with an actual millennial (laughs) no i'm just just kidding uh let's see yeah millennial 58 score um so, 
73 plus is where they say millennials are supposed to be. Uh, between 33 and 73, That's you're funny. likely a Gen Xer. You usually hate quizzes. I do hate quizzes. I always hate quizzes. I love That's part quizzes. of being in Gen X. <laughs> I love like BuzzFeed quizzes. Are oh, they just drive me crazy. The best. They drive me crazy. What is it? What about it drives you crazy? Because it's like, well, look at that quiz. Uh-huh. She's she's born <laughs> in the sweet spot of millennial. And, but I would but say this is right though. I would say this is right though, based on her as a person. And this is actually what I love because I think this comes down to really when we talk about you know not labeling people by their generation. This is what we're talking about. And you said it right at the beginning, Meg. Mm-hmm. We're all just human beings. Right. We're all different people. And technically, Meg, you don't associate with a lot of the things that quote unquote the typical millennial would associate with you know i don't know that the typical millennial would idolize lucille ball you know what i mean that's yeah. just, that doesn't seem like one of those things but that's because we all have our own things we're all individuals we're all different and that's what our heartbeat here is at the podcast is to say yeah that's why it's very dangerous to label people that's yeah, why it's I, dangerous to throw those labels on i've been labeled just like i guess um just throughout my life as far as like school goes and stuff that like a lot of like learning disabilities and stuff which there's nothing wrong with learning disabilities it's just one of those things where people thought oh she needs special treatment because I like oh she's dyslexic so we need to um, cut down all of her work and stuff like that and that's just something I've personally had to overcome because it's like you know what I might be dyslexic but that doesn't mean that I I'm not as smart as everyone else that just means I learn differently and I think that the same thing is like, yes, I'm a millennial, but that every generation has different things that they go through together. And I think all of us as millennials, you know, we're all going through all the social media and all this new technology together. But at the end of the day, we're all individuals and you can't really label because everyone grows and changes and evolves every day and becomes a new person. So you can't really put a label on something or someone or a generation because they're never quite the same. There it is. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything to add to that. Today. Nope. I think that was it. That's that was the money. <laughs> that's that's all we need. Uh, thank you, Meg. Yeah. Thank you so much me. for having the conversation. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Do you have anything like you want to promote or, you know, let people know about? I think one thing is whenever I talk to my friends about I Love Lucy, I have gotten a few people where they've been like, who is Lucille Ball? I think, <laughs> or who is Desi Arnaz? I think that that it should just be a staple. I Love Lucy should just be a staple for every generation because what I love about that show is it's just so timeless. Anyone can watch it, find it funny. It's not super crude or anything, but... I just, that's one thing. Also, can we talk about, like, the whole, like, it's so easy nowadays, like, all the sexualness of just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, it's crazy. That's one thing about TV is it's so easy. It's just everything is so sexualized nowadays. Like, I'm almost 18. I haven't had my first kiss yet. I haven't had, like, an actual boyfriend before. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong if someone has, you know, had a boyfriend or had a first kiss or whatever, because, you know, to each their own. But I think that it is, it's so abnormal that someone my age hasn't experienced that yet. And because we do live in such a culture where everything is like so saturated, sexualized. Like there's that's a, one thing. There's that's... a great conversation to be had. I'm, I'm glad you're talking mm-hmm. about that, Meg. I really am. There's a great conversation to be had about the culture's labeling of 
promiscuity as normal, of the idea of exploring sexuality at a young age as just something that everybody does. And I dealt with a lot of those uh, things growing up as well. Like, you know, really, you were a virgin when you got married? Mm -hmm. Like, is like for reals? Like, that actually is a thing? Like, people just don't believe it because there's culture just says that's just a normal thing that everybody does. There's a really interesting conversation to be had there about uh, finding that place to have the discussion about what it means to um, live your life in that way and still not make others, you know, feel labeled or judged right. for their experiences or, you know, how they've grown up or those kind of things or their beliefs that may have changed, you know, over mm-hmm. time. It's just a really interesting balancing act when it comes to morality and those mm-hmm. kind of issues. Like, personally, I'm waiting to have sex until I'm married. Now, that's just me personally. If you're not, that's totally fine. Do whatever you want. You're, I, my rule is as long as you're not hurting anyone else or yourself in the process, do what you want. You know, each person is their own person. I think as long as you're spreading love and positivity in your life and loving others and not labeling and not judging, I think, and you just have a good moral compass and a good heart, that's I, overall, I just think someone's character should be, you know, the most important thing. But like, just because I want to be a virgin until I get married doesn't mean that someone else has to. It's just kind of hard living in this day and age of almost feeling like an alien that I haven't kissed anyone yet. And I'm almost 18, you know? No, so, yeah. I totally understand that. I have absolutely been there. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of pressure to do things the way that someone else does them. Mm-hmm. And I think in this, um, we're a visual, it's a very visual culture where yes. everything, not, not just TV, not just, you know, your show watching, mm-hmm. you go to a web page to read a news article and on the side are banners and, and then down below are links to mm-hmm. other things. And you're seeing a lot of images that they know through research, they being, you know, the research companies and those who are doing the advertisements will get clicks and will get attention and will get people to go look so I think there's a lot of another great conversation that maybe we can go into someday um, that can kind of touch more deeply maybe on the over-sexualized saturization of our community and our culture and how can we have, you know, a way to maneuver through that where we have the assurance that we're doing it our way and can kind of find other people who can like link arms and be like, yeah, I'm glad that you're doing it your way. Mm-hmm. You know, good job for doing it your way. But how do we, how do we influence culture? How do we educate and talk about, you know, what it means to have, to live inside of this world where we are exposed to images. There are things I can never unsee that I saw on, in on p- pages you know, you mentioned Imager earlier, mm-hmm. Aaron. You know, like there's just things like, you know, you're just browsing through looking at funny pictures of cats. And then all of a sudden there's something that I can never unsee, you know. So how do you compartmentalize that? How do you address that? You know, so maybe that's a good conversation for us to kind of go into mm-hmm. at some point. Well, and the idea of, you know, sexual morality, you know, at all, because, you know, you, Meg, are talking about a very common view of they're not necessarily being a right or a wrong way, but, you know, as long as you don't hurt people, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. agree with that. I do. I believe there is a right and a wrong that happens with sexual morality mm-hmm. and that there are consequences to living outside the quote unquote right way to do it. But, you know, having that conversation is a tough conversation and a difficult mm-hmm. conversation. So but important. I mean, I think it's valuable to have that out and to talk about those kind of things. So. I'm I'm open for it, you know, to to have that conversation at some point on one of these episodes. Ah, that's why we call it no label safe. That's right. Because <laughs> sometimes those conversations are awkward and there's a little bit of tension in them. Sure, but some great things can come from that. So glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, thanks, Meg. Very yeah. much appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's so fun to have you on the show. So I guess we'll have to wrap up, though. There it is. Oh, now we're at the end of the show. Our music's playing and everything. <laughs> thanks Aww. so much for tuning in to Shoe the Dough. Uh, special thanks again to Meg for being with us. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Talk about what it means to be a millennial. Shoe the Dough is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Shoe the Dough. Find out more about Aaron and Danae at AaronandDanae.com. Uh, huge thanks for our intro today. Also to Meg, who hey. did the intro today. Hey. <laughs> also, thanks to Chris Tilly for composing the intro music. Any production assistance as well today came from Caleb Bunn. Thank you for that. And of course, much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters who give monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at a dollar a month. Comes with some fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. And don't forget, the mugs are available for a limited time only. Was that good? That was really good. Thanks. (laughs) Nicely done.